From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program on this Monday morning in March. Hope you are doing very, very well out there and are looking forward to a great week ahead. We have a great show for you coming up this morning. Going to be talking about many issues, as we always do, that affect our community and around the world. Later on, we're going to be talking about the Bedouin in Israel and how they are uh, getting on uh, at the moment, particularly given the current situation. We're also going to be looking at the issue of diversity, equity and inclusion uh, and some issues that are occurring with that in the United States. Very interesting article in Bloomberg this morning, which we're going to be discussing. But first up, you will, if you are a regular listener to this show, or indeed to the station in general, know that Howard Feldman recently went on a trip to Israel as part of a solidarity tour with a number of Jewish organizations, the Jewish National Fund, the Zionist Federation, uh, the Israel United Appeal, and a number of others, uh, to really go and support Israel and uh, people that have been affected by what has been going on with the war, particularly down south. But I thought important that we should take a deep dive into what has been going on and what people on the tour saw uh, there and uh, what what they can bring back to our community so that we know uh, what is going on on a first-hand basis. And so I'm happy to bring into studio to chat to us today directly Craig Pantanovitz. He is a uh, vice chairman of the South African Zionist Federation uh, and he was on the tour. And uh, he joins us today in studio. Craig, thank you so much for being with us on HiFM. Thank you, Benj. Good morning to all the listeners. Pleasure to be here. So first of all, let's just start with uh, yourself. When this opportunity came up to go on the Solidarity Tour, why did you decide that it was important that you actually be part of it? Benj, for me personally, I think, um, you know, being so involved in the Zionist Federation and being involved in the Jewish community in South Africa... Um, and the amount of pressure the Jewish community in South Africa is under, I felt an overwhelming responsibility to go and see with my own eyes the reality on the ground, what our people in Israel are facing, and um, an opportunity to go learn and come back and try and share with our community some of those uh, lessons that we can take forward and, and, and help promote our relationship with Israel. Now, yeah, you've been to Israel before. Yes. Uh, you know what it's like in terms of, it's a very vibrant society. You know, really, as soon as you hit the airport and the, uh, you get past uh, the, the guards of Ben-Gurion, uh, you, 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 whether it's Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, it's a completely, uh, it, it, one of the things that non-Jews always tell me when they go is that you, know, you walk on the streets and it's safe. Is, is that feeling still there or is there a different feeling in the society at the moment? Benj, it's a country in pain. Um, I can tell you without question that the country is bearing a massive burden in terms of uh, bringing home their hostages. I think that's an absolute focus of Israeli society on a whole. Um, life carries on. 
it's interesting to see how many people are trying best to put their lives back together and complete uh, and, and, and go back to their daily, daily life. But there's no question that it's a country in pain and, and things are not what it was prior to October last year. And, um, you know, I think that the, the mourning process in Israel hasn't even started yet. Um, the streets are busy, but there is tension in Jerusalem. You can feel it on the ground. Absolutely, I'm sure that that's a big part of the of the of the experience of really feeling what the society is all about. Give us a sense about the itinerary. What were you doing whilst you were there? Okay, so Benj, I can tell you that for the six days we were there, we never had one minute to rest. We worked the entire time from six a.m. in the morning until after midnight every day. We we went with two purposes. One to go and see with our own eyes the devastation that was caused by Hamas and then secondly to meet with leaders in Israel and I think that that was twofold. One, to try and put across the fact that as a South African delegation we still have people in South Africa who are very supportive of Israel and then second to hear from people in leadership positions in Israel what was actually going on on the ground whether that's civilian leadership as well as guys from the military the army government spokespeople and we met with very high profile people which was an absolute privilege for us right so you were really getting a, a proper insight into what was going on we're talking to Craig Pantanovitz today he is a vice chairman of the South African Zionist Federation if you have any questions for him you want to ask uh, or get any sort of feedback 34519 is the SMS line you can ask and uh, get a sense about anything that you would like to ask about the tour that went of solidarity of South Africans to Israel I am uh, Benji Shulman and this is 101.9 High FM This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman 101.9 High FM Benji Shulman here on your new Blue Review for Monday morning, talking to Craig Pantanovitz. He is from uh, the South African Zionist Federation, recently came back from a tour uh, of Israel, and we are getting his reflections and engagements. And we like yours as well, SMS us 34519. We're happy to take any questions that you might have. Craig, you, you mentioned briefly when you were talking about the trip, the fact that you know we wanted to show Israel that, uh, that, that there were South Africans that were supportive. Uh, did you perhaps have a bit of a, a, were Israelis perhaps shocked about South Africa's reaction uh, and, and where we're playing as a country in, in our, our role in this, given the ICJ, etc.? Benji, yeah, I think so. Um, there's no question that Israel was surprised by South Africa's move to take them to the ICJ. Um, one of the very interesting things that I noticed on our tour was that South Africans have played such an integral role in who Israel is as a country today. You know, there have been so many prominent South Africans that have been involved in building Israel. And I think that there's been shock and disappointment on the Israel side that South Africa has taken such a one-sided approach and has kind of lost its opportunity to be balanced and give um, South Africans experience to make peace more achievable and, you know, Many times we were embarrassed to actually say where we were coming from, but I think the Israelis that we met and the general feeling on the ground is Israel is very aware of who South Africa is, that we do have a lot of support, that there is a lot of support for Israel in South Africa, and they were most gracious in, in welcoming us to Israel. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, Craig, let's talk about some of the places that you visited because, you know, uh, we, we're seeing it on social media all the time still uh, and there's, you know, not much in the way of, of change of that because of the war element. But, but you know, you, you understand you went to some of the parts that really were, were attacked. T- tell us where you went and, and give us a bit of a sense about what that was like. Sure, Benj. So, Benj, we were privileged enough to travel the south extensively. We went to a number of kibbutzes. We went to the Nova Music Festival. We visited Siddharot. And I can tell you that the pictures that we see on social media don't do justice to the reality of what happened on the ground. And as horrific as those pictures are to look at, and they are horrific to look at, it was so much worse in reality. The term terrorist attack to me didn't do justice to what actually took place on the day. This was a military massacre. These were heavily trained military personnel, heavily armed, well-planned, and they came into Israel with the intent of killing and causing as much damage to the civilian population as possible. And, you know, of the kibbutzes that we visited, um, we saw Kfar Aza and uh, Nir Am, as well as Be'eri, and Benji, you'd battle to find a house there that isn't pockmarked with bullet holes, that hasn't taken grenade fire, been set on fire, people's belongings are strewn all over the place. And it's kind of like um, these communities have been frozen in time. The amount of devastation is really, really hard to comprehend. And when you were traveling in these, I mean, are there still residents around? Are there still people there that you could talk to? There are residents around, Benj. No one in the kibbutzes that we went to, no one is living there. All of the communities have been made refugees and are living in various hotels and various places across Israel. The communities are deserted. However, people have started returning to try and clean up and uh, hopefully start rebuilding their lives again. But at, that, at the point in time that I was there, it's well controlled. There's no free access. You have to be taken with a guide into the various kibbutzes. And, um, so no, no one's living there. It's very, very sad. And, uh, but there are people that are starting to come back to make plans to see how they're going to rebuild these communities and hopefully bring people back to live in their homes. I mean, one of the shocking elements of the, of the kibbutzim issue for me was that you know, I've been to those kibbutzim myself a few times. Uh, and what's interesting about it is that they often were uh, the places which were most one of the most heavily left in, in, in Israel, like on the left wing, I mean. Yes. And, and, and it seems as though Hamas was actually targeting those people in particular, the people who were doing the work to help Gazans get medical attention, to sort of uh, help ameliorate the difficulties of the blockade. And, and it seems as though they, they had maps and, and info to specifically target those activists and specifically target... Uh, the defenders of the kibbutz so that, that, the, that they would be removed first so that they would have free reign? Benj, without question. Um, the level of intelligence that Hamas had was quite shocking, actually. And um, I was lucky enough to visit some of those kibbutzes in July last year. And it's a completely different scene today. What I can tell you is that the 
intel that Hamas had when they came in, they were able to nullify the kibbutz's security very quickly. They knew exactly where the armories were, where the weapons were held. They actually waited for the men to arrive, the men who were involved in security on the kibbutzes. They were waiting on the roofs of the armories. And as men arrived to collect their weapons to go and defend the kibbutzes, they were literally mowed down on the grass outside the armory. So the you know going back to these particular communities are very left-wing they were huge supporters of um, the Gazans many of the workers on these kibbutzes came from Gaza on a daily basis and I feel that there is some level of discontent that these particular people who were certainly more pro to peace than other parts of Israeli society were bore the brunt of this attack and I wonder what the long-term view is for these communities in terms of being deceived so badly and a lot of the intelligence that was passed on to Hamas came from these Palestinian workers who worked in Israel and they knew exactly where the police stations were, the army bases, who was living in which house, who would be in the synagogues on that Saturday morning, what time synagogues came out and this was a precision attack. Make no mistake about that. Now let's talk a bit about Israeli society at the moment. Um, you met with lots of people from across the spectrum. We, we've seen a big outpouring of uh, support across the board for the, the hostage campaign, for, um, for, for the society. And of course, on October 6th, there was an enormous amount going on in Israel that was highly politicized. What, what was your, 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 your feeling now, um, sort of three or four months in, uh, where, where that social solidarity of the country is holding. You know, Benj, I go back to when I was in Israel in July last year at the heart of the protests against the government and the legal reforms, and I see a completely, completely different country today. The country is completely pulled together, whether it's secular, religious, um, even the, the Bedouins and the Arab communities that I had the privilege of meeting with while I was there, this is a different society. Everybody has pulled together in an unbelievable way or working together in every way that they can to bring the hostages back. Um, I think that that is one of the primary focuses of Israeli society at the moment. And every single person without fail that I met, the first thing on their lips was, let's get our children, let's get our people home. And, you know, for me, the divide in terms of politics has completely slipped between the cracks and I see a united Israel and a u relatively united world jury that are standing up and calling for these innocent hostages to be brought home. Right. You, you mentioned the Bedouin. We're going to be talking about that later on because it was actually an interesting article that was printed in City Press over the weekend, which I wanted to highlight. But you had a very, um, I think, remarkable experience with, uh, with a Bedouin, which I want to dwell on a little bit because it wasn't even in English. Uh, so, so just tell us about that story because it just sounded... Just so fascinating. It was very cool, Benj. And, uh, you know, it really breaks with the norms that you expect when you're meeting somebody new. But we met with this wonderful, wonderful man named Yusuf Maharat, who is a Bedouin, born in Israel, is an Israeli through and through. He's actually a taxi driver, Benj, and that's what he does for a living. And he lives in a little town just outside of the Gaza area called Rahat. And Yusuf, on the evening before October the 7th had dropped a number of young teenagers at this Nova Music Festival and Yusuf was at home on a 
typical Saturday morning, it's weekend in Israel, and at about 8 a.m. he received a call from some of these children at the Nova Music Festival who were clearly in absolute panic stations. There were bombs going off around them, there were bullets flying all over, and they said to Yusuf, Yusuf, please, you have to come back and fetch us. We're under attack, we don't know what's going on. And this man pulled on his shorts, jumped in his minibus, and being from the Negev, knew all of the back roads, and drove through this carnage to the Nova Music Festival and was able to meet up with a number of young children. He managed to rescue 30 kids from the Nova Music Festival, two of them injured with gunshot wounds, and he was able to navigate his way out of the Nova Music Festival, which to me was absolutely remarkable. We've all seen the pictures of the roads outside the Nova Music Festival, strewn with cars, burnt out cars, bodies, and uh, Yusuf was able to, you know, take the back roads through these uh, communities and he rescued 30 Jewish lives. And here's a man who, who put his own life in danger multiple times. They were terrible. So he was going back and forth, actually. No, he did one trip, oh, but one trip. while he was going into the area, he took fire. Um, you know, there was also Israeli police that were now moving in, Israeli armed forces that were moving into the area to try and understand what was going on there. It was pandemonium, and he was able to dodge these guys firing at him and get these hostages, uh, sorry, these young kids out of the Nova Music Festival. And he saved 30 lives, and the humility that this man has, and, you know, he said that it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, these are people's lives and he had an opportunity to save and he wanted to take that opportunity and I, I can't praise this man enough for his bravery. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. I mean talking of, of, of hostages, I mean you, you were there, uh, we, one of the things that you also attended was a, was a ceremony really of, of South Africans, South Africans uh, whose families have been killed in the, in, in the fighting, uh, hostages, uh, there's a a monument from the Zionist Federation up uh, in in Tiberias area where where there was a ceremony held, uh, and one of the one of the people that you actually got to speak to was a South African who was a hostage in Gaza. What what was that like, Benj? It was an incredibly moving ceremony, and again, you know, it reflected on how many Jewish people from South Africa have been involved in the state of Israel and, and how deeply into society we've penetrated and, and the impact that we've made as South Africans. But this particular lady that we got to listen to was talking about her, I think it was 52 days in captivity under Hamas and the absolute horrendous um, condition she was kept in. And Ben, she's in such a tough place emotionally that we couldn't even ask her questions her husband's still being held captive there he's an elderly man in his 70s when she left he had received zero medical treatment up until this day she doesn't know if he's receiving his medication and she is there, there's no word to put it other than an emotional wreck because i can't even begin to understand what she faces on a daily basis knowing her husband's still being held there by these hamas militants and uh she focuses every day on just please God getting her husband back. Did she talk at all about her experiences and what had happened? She did, Ben. She mentioned to us that for a large part of the 52 days she was there, she was kept in tunnels underground. Um, the conditions were very, very bad. It was extremely hot. Um, they had minimal food, minimal water. Um, they were fed, but not a lot. 
um, no medication. They were forced to sit for extended periods of time under armed guard all of the time. The only time they were allowed to get up was to go to the bathroom. And she mentioned a very harrowing experience that she experienced while she was there where other ladies were being held with her were being abused in the bathrooms and she said it was just incredibly incredibly hard to sit there and be helpless at the hands of these terrorists sure a very i'm sure very very difficult uh, and emotional thing yeah. to have to, to to listen to benj you know what we need to be brave when we listen to these things because these are real human beings that are going through this and they're the ones who are sitting with their families who are still locked up in gaza and you know, you, you can't imagine the trauma that they're going through. Now, we've spoken a little bit about Israeli society in general, as you said, about the, about the, the new engagement and, and people coming together to try and get the hostages out. In particular, I guess this thing is also being bore brunt by the younger people. You know, they're the ones who are in, in the IDF, you know, on the, on the front lines. What, what was your experience about meeting younger people in Israel? Bench, if you could take something positive out of such a difficult trip to take, it was the unbelievable attitude of Israeli society as a whole, but specifically the younger generations. And, you know, there's been talk in the last few years that Israel has gone soft and that um, the young people don't want to serve in the defense forces anymore and that far rather be online and start working earlier. Bench, that was the exact opposite of what we encountered. The amount of camaraderie, the amount of um, genuine care for Israel, for the land, for the importance of Israel, for the Jewish people, and for all Israelis was front of mind for every single young person that I met. I can tell you that this positivity for me was absolutely infectious. I got to speak to a group of army soldiers, about a hundred of them one evening, and I got to thank them for what they're doing um, for every Jew in the world and for every Israeli. And I can tell you that we've got a new generation of Maccabees here. These are brave, inspirational people who have literally shelved their lives to go and stand in the defense of Israel. And they don't complain. They know what they have to do. They know they have no other choice but to do it. And I tell you, they blew me away. They are so committed to the cause. And uh, it stands Israel in a good place because we still have these absolute warriors who are there and risking every single thing in their lives for their country. Now, that's the Israelis. And you, you've mentioned a little bit about kind of global jury. Uh, and the fact that they're quite united in terms of <clears throat> what to do here. Uh, there's been, of course, a lot of activity uh, from our own community. we uh, getting people knitting hats for, for people, and you gave some of those over to, to people. I want to hear about that. Uh, but you know, people, uh, the Zionist Fed is setting dog tags. We've had the hostage posters, the students getting involved. You yourself has been, have been doing uh, some stuff. What do you think our response needs to be as people, particularly Jews and, and people who are supportive of Israel in the broader community here in South Africa, who, who you know, we, as somebody put it to me the other day, South Africans were almost more part of this war than, say, Turkey is because of the way our government is acting. Yeah, Benj, I think as a community, we're under a lot of pressure. There's no two ways about it. We've completely lost um, 
the backing of our government. It feels like we've been completely sidelined by them and uh, we're not important uh, in, in the big picture of things. I think it's critically important that as South African Jews, we realize that we have a constitution in this country. We have the right to say our piece, to say what we care about. And I think it's critically important that we are not silenced, that we stand up, we talk about our care for Israel, we talk about the fact that we are all invested in a peace process. We want peace in Israel and in the surrounding countries surrounding Israel. It's all we've been fighting for since our independence. And I think that that is paramount, that every Jewish person is proud and brave enough to stand up in the, in the noise of all of this hate that surrounds us and say, no, this isn't the truth. The truth that's being portrayed in the media is not what's going on in the ground there. And Israel desperately want peace. Now, one of the things that you've been involved in, I mean, you've been doing a lot of things, but one of them has been curating a special WhatsApp group uh, that gives daily information. Obviously, information can be overwhelming with this stuff at the moment. So you've got this curated, specially, so you're not dealing with fake news uh, kind of WhatsApp groups. So just tell us what that experience has been like and, and how people have been responding there. So, Benj, yeah, from the start of the war, um, I think October 9th, we started, and what we were doing is we were... Um, trying to put out to our community and our Christian friends in South Africa who are incredibly supportive of Israel and incredibly supporters of Zion, incredibly supportive of Zionism. The news group that we put out was with one intention and that's to put real verified news out to these communities on a daily basis so that they know what's going on. The misinformation that's being put out in the media is overwhelming and it's really sometimes hard to know what's true and what's not true and what I've tried to do is to every day condense that news into very readable bits and once a day send out a broadcast with only information that's been verified and that is legitimate and talks to what's going on Israel on the ground politically and in terms of their war against Hamas and unfortunately uh, in the war that seems to be brewing in the north as well with uh, Lebanon and Hezbollah and um, yeah, the news group's been incredibly well received. Funnily enough, our uh, Christian friends uh, in, in the South African Friends of Israel community have been more grateful than our Jewish friends and really privileged to put out this news group every day. And they can be found on the Zionist Fed website. There are links to both news groups. It's called the Swords of Iron. And I'll continue daily to put news updates there to keep our community informed to, as to what's going on on the ground. Well, there you go. Great place to leave it, I think. Uh, Craig Pantanovitz is from the South African Zionist Federation and uh, just talking to us about their recent trip uh, with Jewish organizations to Israel uh, to do solidarity. And uh, thank you, Craig, for joining us and uh, for doing the work that, you, that you're in engaged in. Thank you so very much for having me, Benj. I'm Benji Shulman. This is 101.9 High FM.